Bada bing, bada bam. Welcome to this week's episode of Baking a Mystery. I'm your host, Stephanie Sue, and today we're making mochi cupcakes. No, we're not. We're making mochi cookies. I don't know what's wrong with me. We're also talking about one of my favorite books of all time called Circe by Madeline Miller. I am gonna leave a link to anywhere you can find this book. You can get it at your local bookstore. You can get it at Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. You can get a Kindle ebook. You can get the Audible audiobook. I literally have the audiobook, the ebook, and two copies of the physical book because here's the thing with me. If I love a book, and I would say Circe is probably in my top five best books of all time in my lifetime that I have ever read. And I've read quite a bit of books. That's crazy. I freaking love it. And for some reason, when I love a book, I feel like it's going to vanish from the face of the earth. One day, I'm going to lose my Kindle account, or one day, Kindle's going to go down. Maybe maybe one day, I don't like to listen to books anymore. I, I got to read them, you know? I just need to have it somewhere. I need to have it like locked away in a safe. So, Cersei, it's... Let me just beat this real quick. I'm so sorry for the audio listeners. Do you guys like Greek mythology? This is also the book that sent me on a Greek mythology hype. Why do you hate Greek mythology? That's what I thought too, because all of the names are so difficult to pronounce. Everything just sounds so complicated, all these places. And you know, I am ashamed to say when I was younger, I thought Greek mythology was true. Listen, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know any better. So okay. when did you find out it was fake? I don't remember the exact moment, but probably when I went to church. And they were like, let's just replace that story with a different one. Ah. And then um, I grew up and then, and then I decided I'm going to replace both stories with a different one. And the story is, I crawled out of hell. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Have you guys seen that TikTok? Okay, so now that that's done, I'm just going to beat in the eggs. I'm sorry, I'm going to do this all before we get into it because it is such a... Oh my gosh, I can't even. Slowly. Okay, that wasn't slow. So we're just beating the butter with the sugar, with the eggs. It's starting to look really gross. I mean, this is the same girl that thought Greek mythology was history. I don't know if we can really, who's to blame? Me or you for trusting me with this recipe? This was a request, by the way. My fiance saw these online and was like, ooh, can you make this for me in your next BAM? Because I really want to try mochi cookies. Um, while you figure that one out, let me tell you about chaos. According to Greek mythology, in the beginning of the universe, there was nothing. Did you know that? There was nothing but a big gaping hole of emptiness, which was called, aptly, chaos. Chaos was actually a female deity, by the way. What's so, deity? Like a type of god essentially. Oh. And uh, she was a female deity and you just had chaos all by her lonesome. It was not that chaotic. And then some say, out of nowhere, some say by her own making, three primador- three primor- three primordial diet. Three primordial deities came to be. There was Gaia, which essentially was the earth. Then we have, I, I know I'm saying this wrong, Tartarus which is the underworld. And then we had Eros, which is love. So now Chaos is like, well, I feel like I got this whole little family going on. I might as well make some more. She gave birth to darkness and night who reproduced and created new kids and deities. Some of them included Moros, which is the deity of fate. There was Thanatos, which is the deity of death. Thanos, Thanatos. Hypnos, the deity of sleep. Meanwhile, Gaia gave birth to Uranus. 
aka the starry sky. Uranus was the starry sky. So Greek mythology is all about these things that you would never associate and personify as a god or a person of any sort becomes a person, essentially. So the earth is a deity, and then the starry sky is a deity. So Uranus is the starry sky. Don't think of it as the planet, or else it gets really confusing. So just think of it as the starry night. I was thinking something else, but okay. <laughs> You're thinking Maya. So Gaia was actually quite lonely. She was a lonely mom, and she thought it would be best if her new son Uranus also became her new husband. Listen. I don't even want to hear the judgment right now. This was when the universe was very young. There were barely any suitors, no good dating apps. So yeah, take it easy on Gaia with the judgment, okay? Uranus was literally the sky. So he's honestly quite an impressive suitor, if you ask me. But since they're both deities, they can do whatever they want, including incest. They could actually create these humanoid forms. So Gaia would come from the earth as almost a humanoid, and Uranus would come down from the sky as a humanoid form, and they would have humanoid sex. Yeah, Uranus would create a physical body to descend to earth to meet his mom slash wife, and Gaia would create a physical body because, you know, you can't really f the planet. I mean, I guess we're doing that right now, but you get what I'm saying. So that's how the two of them had their sexy times. Gaia falls pregnant very quickly and she gives birth to a set of triplets. Yeah, she gets knocked up by her own son, whose name is Uranus. The whole story is a little bit weird. It's a little bit questionable, but let's just go with it. All three of the firstborn triplets, number one, number two, number three, they were all one-eyed cyclops, which are essentially monsters with a giant eyeball in the center of their forehead. Okay. It's a little creepy. It's not like the most normal thing ever. And Gaia, she's looking at them. Her heart is about to bust out of her humanoid chest. She is filled with so much joy, so much love about her new kids. She's looking at that one big ass eyeball in their forehead and thinking, oh my God, these are my boys. Like that's the type of mom that she was. Uranus, he comes down from the starry night sky and immediately he's just upset. He's got some issues, this one. I mean, his name is fucking Uranus for crying out loud. What do you expect? He takes one look at his kids and he says, you're done. You're done. I'm not doing this. You guys are ugly little beasts. And he scoops them up in his little palms because he's huge. And the, he takes these big one-eyed babies and he throws them into the pits of the underworld. So if you think your parents are toxic, you're fine. Uranus is worse. He just throws them. Gaia is heartbroken. She watches the whole thing. She's like, my babies! So they became... They're gone. They went to like... The underworld. They don't die there, but they are essentially monsters in hell. Oh. <laughs> like people can go visit the underworld. It's like a sci-fi. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Like, not people, but gods. Okay. Or titans. Oh, just you wait till we get into the titans, okay? But it's not like Gaia can leave Uranus and move on to another son that she has. She hasn't even made another son yet. They're all in the freaking underworld. So she gives Uranus another chance. And they have another set of tr three triplets. I feel like this is just a warning for people to not have babies through incest. Because these set of triplets are called the hundred-handed ones. The hundred-handed ones. They have a hundred hands? Each one had 50 heads and 100 very, very, very muscular, very strong arms. Straight out of the womb, they were doing arm day. That's how many arms? That's 300 arms that just swooped on out of Gaia. What do we know? It's about 50 pairs of hands per person. 100. Oh, 50 pairs. 
Brett, why you gotta make it confusing? Did you say 50 hands? 50 heads. Oh, 50 heads. 50 heads. 100 hands. 50 heads. 100 hands. Oh my gosh. And you already know what's gonna happen. They threw them into Underworld too. Well, first, what's a mother's love? Gaia is looking at them, bursting with love and joy. I mean, yeah, her new babies are a handful. And huh. she did have like 150 mouths to feed. But these are her kids. They were perfect. You could tell her that they were the meanest little monsters in the world and she would never believe you. And she's like, Uranus, Uranus, my son, husband, please come down to Earth and meet your new babies. He comes on down. He takes one look at them. And he says, they're even uglier than the first ones. And he proceeds to scoop them up and th throw them, chuck them into the pits of the underworld. The guy has issues. I don't know if it's his name. I mean, I feel like he could just legally change his name rather than terrorizing his entire family, but this is what he chooses to do. This is how he lives his life. He's kind of a tight ass. If you're not getting my Uranus jokes, I don't know what to say. So now I'm just mixing in some flour and some powdered sugar into this egg butter cocoa. sugar. Oh, I'm so sorry. Powdered sugar and cocoa into this butter sugar egg mixture. Now, Gaia gives Uranus yet another chance. I don't know if it's mother's love or a wife's love at this point, but it happens. This time, Gaia gave birth to, drum roll please, three titans. Oh yeah. So okay. basically, they're creating a ton of mon monsters. Yeah, essentially, titans in the Greek mythology sense. They are kind of like humanoids, giant humans. They're ripped. They're sexy. They look like how you would imagine gods and goddesses, essentially. They're very, very tall. They're incredibly strong. Each one has the ability to manipulate certain forces of Earth. So for example, Oceanus, what do you think he can control? Ocean. <laughs> You're really smart. You guys are smart today. So eventually, in total, there would be 12 titans, 6 brothers, and 6 sisters. So Gaia shows Uranus her new children, and she's like, look at them. They only got two arms and one head. They look normal. Are you freaking kidding me? They're beautiful. And she was a little bit worried, but she's pretty confident that Uranus is going to embrace his kids with love and devotion now, right? They're not going to go to the underworld. Uranus, he was impressed. He said, finally, some aesthetically pleasing children. I Are mean, you serious? He, all he care about is the appearances? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Pretty much. So it would be like that since day one. <laughs> since day one. It's all because of Uranus. And like, you think Uranus is handsome? Send me a pic. I'll let you know. So anyway, Uranus is stoked that they're not ugly. And Gaia's over the moon. Oh, she's so happy. Finally, she doesn't have to mourn her children. She could be a mother. But she was wrong. Uranus was intimidated by his latest set of children. They were powerful. They had this potential to be even more powerful than the starry night sky, aka Uranus, aka their own father. They had the ability to undermine his authority and go against him. And for that freaking reason, he's out. Gaia begged and tried to convince him that they should not be sent to the underworld. Please, Uranus compromised and said, I will not send them to the underworld today. But if, if I ever see them, if I ever see them doing some shit, trying to undermine me, it's straight to the underworld then. 
you have to hide the titans in your body. So she takes in the titans into Earth's body, out of sight from the starry night sky. So out of sight, out of mind. Gaia agreed, but really on the inside, she was fuming. She wanted to get her revenge. She wanted to destroy Uranus. She was over this guy. She wanted to take her kids, her 12 powerful titans, and she sat them down. And I imagine the conversation to go like this. Your father is a dick, an asshole, quite frankly. I need one of you to murder him. Whoever is up to the task will be greatly rewarded, and I will make you the ruler of Earth. I can do that, because I am Earth. Now the Titans are strong, they're fast, they're capable, but the idea of fighting their own father, who is literally this guy, I mean, they're terrified. They all kind of looked away, they're like, is she talking to us? Who is she talking to? I don't know. All of them were like, what? Calm down, mom. I mean, dad's bad, but he's, he's not that bad, right? There's no way. I heard the underworld is not that bad. They got some snacks. But one titan stood up. I can do it, mother. And everyone starts giggling. Stupid. It was Kronos. The youngest, the smallest. I mean, even Kronos' own mother, Gaia, couldn't stop but giggling. She's Whoa. like... You think you can take down Uranus? You're, so, you're the smallest, the itty bitty titan. So this guy, Kronos, he's the titan of time, right? That's really powerful. Yeah. So, uh, but he doesn't really manipulate time to do anything to Uranus, which is fascinating, I guess. His mom gives him a scythe, a Sith, I think is what you call it. It's like a, it's like a sword-ish type of thing, like a little knife. And their masterful plan was to ambush Uranus. So Gaia called her husband sundown. <laughs> Remember, he's the sun. She's like, Uranus, let me lick that. Anyway, he comes down and he, in a humanoid form and he's shocked. He expected Gaia to stay mad at him. Usually, anytime he throws the kids away or does something, she's like mad for at least a century or two. But this time it was like a couple decades. Come on, that's crazy. So Gaia reassured him, no, 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 sweetie. Like, how could I be mad at you? It's water under the bridge. Don't even think about it. Don't even worry. And the two of them, they start doing it. Oh yeah, they just start forking again. And guess who pops up from the shadows? Chrono. With what? With the little, little knife. Exactly. Now, do you really think that you can kill a deity? No, you really can't. That's the problem with them. They don't die. They just live forever. All you can really hope to accomplish is that you embarrass them or you punish them to the point where they don't want to show face. They don't want to mingle with the other deities. So Gaia reassured him, no, no, sweetie, it's water under the bridge. And uh, besides, what would I be without my anus? I mean, Uranus. <laughs> I'm sorry. So they get down to the dirty business. Kronos pops up with that Sith and he um, chopped off his dad's balls. Oh, Yeah. that's gonna hurt. And then he threw the balls into the ocean. Honestly, I don't know what happened to Uranus afterwards. I mean, he doesn't die. He's immortal. But he probably retreated and just stopped mingling with the other deities. That is most likely what happened to Uranus. This chomp, chomp, chomping of his manhood was the first blood that had been spilled since the dawn of time. Uranus's ichor is, I know some people pronounce it ichor, but I'm pretty sure it's ichor because I went to like all these like Greek pronunciation websites. Ichor is essentially blood spilled from gods. They don't have regular human blood. It's ichor. It's almost this golden color. The more god you are, some gods are just pure gold blood, but if you have a mix of gold and red, you're not as special. And then some gods have red blood and they're kind of the weaker gods. Mm. 
Fascinating, right? So Uranus's I-Core, which um, pure gold, was thrown into the ocean. It was the first blood spill since the dawn of time. And from that, from the balls and from the blood on the earth where it's, it dripped onto the land, it birthed the giants, the ash tree nymphs, the furries. The furries um, are not actually what you're imagining right now. Not the fetish. Love you guys though. Love the kinks. Love what y'all been doing. But um, they're the goddesses of vengeance. They're really furry but they just really like to punish people. They will literally become the helpers of Hades, which is the god of the underworld. So they throw the balls into the sea, and from the sea, where Uranus's balls had plumped into the water, arose another goddess from his blood. I just realized these yeah. gods, like anything, they spill, they drop, yeah. they yeah. chop off, they all turn into... Exactly. I turn, I'm the god of Uranus's right big toe. Exactly. <laughs> so this one, though, was special. Can you guess who climbed out of the water? She's in a lot of artist. Like, she's in a lot of art. The ball that came out from, from your anus's ball? Yeah. What goddess came out from the waters? A mermaid? Okay. Aphrodite, <laughs> the goddess of love and beauty. Mm. She was born from the first bloodshed, which is fascinating because doesn't that say a lot about Aphrodite's true nature? I mean, does it say a lot about love and beauty that it can't exist without pain and bloodshed? Anyways, she will actually become one of the most famous of Uranus's children. Notably, before even anyone comes for me, Homer did say that Aphrodite was not a product of Uranus, but instead was Zeus's child. So there's a bit of a discrepancy there. Later, it was covered up with a theory by Plato himself that there's actually two Aphrodites, a heavenly Aphrodite and then a common Aphrodite. But interestingly enough, okay, neither of them just have mother figures, it seems. Anyway, back to the story, not important today. Aphrodite walked out from the ocean and she was said to have been the most beautiful in all the universe amongst all the gods. She was instantly welcomed by all of them. And Gaia decides to reward her son who finally chopped off her son husband's balls. And she named Kronos the ruler of the earth and the king of the titans. And Gaia from this release of stress and anger and built up exhaustion, she retreated back to mother nature, she retreated back to the earth and fell into a deep sleep. And the titans, her 12 kids, they were free. They didn't have either parent watching over them. I mean, they were essentially teenagers getting underage drunk. They had all these superpowers. They were like privileged billionaire kids with no supervision. Kind of dangerous, if you ask me. So Kronos, the leader of the earth now, his first order of business was to marry his sister, of course. It sounds incestuous, but uh, everything that deities ever do is incestuous, so is it even incestuous anymore? Yeah, yeah it is. So Cronus marries Rhea, the goddess of fertility and motherhood. Obviously, the goddess of motherhood and fertility is going to have a lot of kids. So she's excited to get down I thought to you said obviously. <laughs> she's going to have fertility. <laughs> yes. So obviously, she's excited to get down to business and fuck her brother. Unfortunately, Kronos did not share in that same excitement. Excitement. You see, he had heard a prophecy that one day, one of his children would overthrow him. This is the thing about prophecies I hate. Like, you can't, you can tell me the future, but you can't tell me which one. Like, you can't be a little bit more specific. Why, which fucker is it? Which kid, huh? So Kronos becomes the spitting image of his father, a Titus, a Uranus. He becomes paranoid and afraid of his own kids. When Rhea gave birth to their first child, Kronos shivered. Her name was Hestia. 
she's often a forgotten goddess. She was the goddess of hearth, and she was actually one of the one of the first goddesses of all time. So it's weird that she's always forgotten. When Cronus looked down at his daughter Hestia, he was disgusted. There was something that she had that he didn't have. That the Titans didn't have. She was considered an Olympian. I'll get into the the differences later. Well, there is some sort of power, some kind of spark. He didn't know what it was. It just this kid, whatever it was, it was giving him the heebie-jeebies. It wasn't good. So quickly, quickly, he just gobbled him up. He ate the daughter. He ate the daughter. Just、okay. like swallowed her whole. So speaking of right, just to give you a little bit of the whole world, you have the primordial de- deities, which are like the underworld, the earth, and love, right? And then they produce the second generation, which are like the Titans and other monsters. So you had the likes of Kronos, Atlas, Prometheus, Oceanus,、uh, Raya, and then the Titans. They were around before mortal beings were created, so before humans were created, essentially. And the Titans would later go on to produce the Olympian gods. And goddesses, otherwise known as the Olympians. So Olympians are Generation Three. Yeah, essentially, but、Got、they could、it. be Generation Four, Five. Yeah. Got it. The Olympians would include the likes of the more familiar Zeus, Poseidon, Aphrodite, Athena, Apollo,、wow. Hermes. Yeah. Okay, so they're not even like top of the line. Yeah. The Olympians were a bit more mischievous in a sense, so a lot of their stories feature them meddling and fucking with humans because they came after the humans were on Earth. So the Olympians just like to, you know, be in silly, goofy moods and fuck around with humans. Sometimes they were incredibly homicidal. It's said that they started a lot of human wars. So that's great. Listen, listen. I have super weak gums, and I know I'm not the only one. I would use a whitening strip that I just get from like a random store, and the rest of the day, my teeth and gums would feel so sensitive. But then I found out about Lumino. Okay, let me explain. The way that I found out about them wasn't even because of the teeth whitening strips, which I love there so much. Don't get me wrong. No sensitivity whatsoever. Amazing whitening power. But I was intrigued by an article that I read about how your oral microbiome is directly connected to your gut microbiome. I get it. I've talked about my gut microbiome a bajillion times now, but it makes sense. All the other teeth whitening products that I normally used were not great for my gut or my oral microbiome. Ninety-nine percent of the oral bacteria in your mouth is friendly. They say hi. They like you. They want to help you. Meaning they're good for your oral health. The other two percent is harmful bacteria. But with traditional oral care, they kill ninety-nine point nine percent of bacteria. Even all the good ones. Do you know what happens when you wipe out all your oral bacteria? The bad ones, they come back with a raging passion. No matter how much you're mouthwashing, if you're killing all that bacteria, the bad bacteria is gonna come back stronger than ever, and it leads to things like bad breath. But Lumino, they neutralize bad bacteria, and they focus on keeping your good bacteria alive. They keep your oral and therefore your gut microbiome happy. I eat a lot of Korean food. Korean food is 99% garlic, but Lumino. Just wipes it out. Is like you're good to go. Go make out with somebody. Go in someone's face. You're fine. <laughs> I love their whitening products so much. Lumina uses naturally derived ingredients like essential oils, dead sea salt, coconut oil, aloe vera. I love the whitening strips. It's great once a week or every single day for seven days. Or if you have a special occasion coming up. But let me show you something magical. Their ultra bright pen is this whitening on the go, certified non toxic formula. You just brush it on your teeth a few minutes before your daily glass of coffee or wine. 
fine. Just to maintain the whiteness of your teeth. Brush the whitening gel on, no brushing afterwards, no rinsing, amazing. Lumino has over 20,000 reviews on Amazon and they're the best selling natural whitening strips. They cause no sensitivity or harm to your teeth or enamel, which I love so much. So make sure to click the Amazon link in the description below to save $10 on Lumino's whitening kit. Just make sure to clip the coupon when you click on the Amazon link or search Amazon for Lumino and pick up a variety of products including their whitening strips, their toothpaste, their mouthwash, whitening pen, and more. That's L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X on Amazon. And go get that cute smile. And thank you Lumino for sponsoring today's video. Anyways, Kronos, a titan, is looking at his goddess daughter and he's just not into it. Nope, get that bitch out of here. Why is she glowing? So he swallows her up like the whole thing. Not, doesn't even chew, just in his stomach. Now, he thought he was alone. And Raya's like, what the f***, Kronos? And he just tries to play it off like, sorry babes, I haven't had breakfast yet. You know how intermittent fasting be these days. Have no fear though. At least Raya was, you know, she was the goddess of fertility, after all. She continued to have more children, Demeter, the goddess of harvest. But then Kronos walked over, looked around, and gobbled her up, swallowed her whole. Have no fear though, she's got another kid. Hera, the future queen of Olympus. Kronos walks over and fucking gobbles her up too, and Raya's sitting there in shock. I mean, maybe he just doesn't want to have daughters. Maybe daughters just what? So she willed herself to have a son next. And guess what? She does. Hades. Soon to be god of the underworld. Well, that is, until Kronos walked over and swallowed him up as fast as he has eaten his daughters. So it's not that he hates girls. I mean, she's just confused what the fork is going on. Then she has another, Poseidon. She blinked. Poseidon is freaking gone. She saw his little legs dangling from Cronus's mouth and she was pissed. She had enough of her brother husband's behavior. She wanted a child and he was going to give her one. I mean, she was the goddess of motherhood after all. So for the sixth child, she had a new plan. She would birth the baby. And Cronus, he didn't even check up on her during labor anymore. I hate men. I'm just kidding. She would swap the baby with a rock and a blanket. It was a foolproof plan. He's kind of an idiot. So Kronos would walk in, not even glance at the child, and just swallow it whole. The last baby was named Zeus. Kronos would come to eat Zeus, but instead he ate a rock. And he didn't know any better. He did get a bit of a tummy ache, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I imagine him regretting his life choices and thinking about how he should have just wrapped it up. But there he was, Raya on the inside, crying, but also excited. She was secretly proud of herself. Her actual baby son, Zeus, was taken into hiding to a cave in the island of Crete. He was raised by nymphs and a goat nymph. Side note, nymphs are small gods. Well, they're not really gods, they're like deities, a, a mystical being. They're typically associated with fertile things like trees or rivers, like river nymphs are common. Some of them are immortal, most of them are not. They're just known for being beautiful. A lot of gods want to marry them. They do often get raped. Are they the one with the little... Are they like fairies? Or? Kind of, yeah. And they just like hang out in groups and they hang out in the courts, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so um, some of them are not immortal, by the way. That's a whole story for another day. Anyway, Zeus grows up into this very handsome, powerful young god. And he knew, though, that he couldn't stay on the island of Crete forever. He had to leave soon. He consults with Metis, I think that's her name, the mother of wisdom. Which, by the way, at one point later in Zeus's life, he marries her, impregnates her, and then eats her whole. 
just like his dad was going to do to him. But like I said, another story for another day. Medes fixes up a drink to most people, most gods, most titans. It would just look like wine. But Kronos would probably gag on this. It was a special, enhanced, bewitched drink almost. The drink was to induce severe vomiting. So Zeus shows up to Kronos' palace as a wine bearer. Kronos has no idea this is his son. And he serves mm. him a glass of wine. And in front of all of his guests, Kronos is sipping on his wine. And instantly, he starts to feel a little bit queasy. At first, he just burps. And then he starts violently throwing up. One by one, his children had been growing inside of his stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and to think I thought this was not history. To think I thought this was history. <laughs> One by one. Like he was carrying the baby. Exactly. And they were full grown now. They were just as big as Zeus. He had, they emerged as full on adults. True story. I'm serious. It really happened. So they came out in the opposite order of which they were ingested. So Poseidon, Hades, Hera, De Demeter, Hestia. The five bile covered siblings immediately looked at their youngest brother Zeus and thought, wow, our baby brother is our savior and our leader. Otherwise, we would have just stayed in our father's stomach and like, you should see his digestion. It's rough in there. Rhea, the mom, she was ecstatic, but it wasn't the family reunion that she was hoping for because in that moment, right then and there, Kronos and Zeus waged war on each other. It would be a long, bloody, bloody battle between the Titans and the Olympians. But there's only 12 Titans. Yeah, but they all have like their own kids. Uh. So there's more Titans, yeah. Ah. Yeah. So titans and gods are almost equally powerful, but they have their individual variations. So the war was bloody. It wasn't like, oh, the old titans are the little boomers, you know? They're going to get it from the Gen Z. It wasn't really like that. They both had very special things that they could do. The tides would change often. Sometimes the titans would realize that they're on the losing side, and titans would join the Olympics, the Olympians. The Olympians. I said the Olympics. Because they don't want to die. Well, not die, but they don't want to be on the losing end. Oh. So it's like when you go to war, it may be flipping sides is better so that when the war is over, you can live a plush life again. Mm. Versus imagine you're a Titan and the Olympians win, then the Titans, once they're captured, they're going to be probably banished to the underworld. Right, right. So they will switch to the winning side. Oh, yeah. A lot of them flipped over. So that's why a lot of Titans still held power after the war. Yeah. Such was Prometheus. At one point, Zeus was losing the war, and he needed to do something drastic. He descended into the underworld and found his long-lost uncles, the Cyclops. Uranus's kids, the one-eyed. Oh, yeah. All three of them? Yeah, and the hundred-handed ones. He oh, wow. freed them. And as a show of gratitude, they created Zeus his signature thunderbolt. They also made a trident for his brother, Poseidon, the one that you always see him in. Oh. Mm -hmm. and a helmet of invisibility for Hades. These weapons were actually super important for the gods to gain the upper hand in the war. The hundred-handed uncles even helped the Olympians set up an ambush against the Titans. They lured out the Titans, and with 300 hands and counting, they pushed boulders down on them. The Titans ran off, leaving Zeus the king of the universe. Listen, it sounds anticlimactic, but it's not. Like, this is a super condensed version. Go read the book. If you want a longer version, it's all in there. So anyway, Zeus is now the king, and he takes his rightful place on the throne of Mount Olympus. And so Titans as, yes, are lost? Yeah. Oh. And as is godly tradition, what does he do? First order of business? 
he um, ate one of his kids. No, he marries his sister. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> he marries his sister, Hera. She becomes the queen of Olympus. And their first, second order, I guess, is to banish all the enemies into exile. Most of them are sent to the underworld. Kronos himself got an especially deep pit down there. The only titan that wasn't thrown down, it seemed, was Atlas. Like that one of the titans that were on the opposing side. So there were titans that were fighting with the Olympians. They didn't uh -huh. have to go to the underworld. But uh -huh. the titans, they were all sent down to the underworld except for Atlas. Why? Because he was Kronos' right-hand man during the war. He was the titan general. So instead of being just banished, he was punished to forever hold up the sky on his shoulders. Oh, Atlas. It's a common misconception that he held up the earth, but he actually held up the sky. Oh, no wonder he's always kneeing and yeah. stuff. Wow. That was uh, one of the main titans that was punished. The titans that didn't oppose the gods and that were on the side of the Olympians or even helped the gods during the war, whether by choice or by force, they were allowed to keep their positions and life as long as they didn't cause trouble, as long as they would smile and pretend like life is great. In fact, we love the Olympians being in power. We, as Titans, we love being second-class citizens to the now emerging Olympians. So Titans supposed to be stronger than yeah. Olympians. But how but did they, Olympians win? They're just from all their little special weapons and stuff. Oh, yeah, they're just so smart. they won. Yeah, they I mean they're like brain. equally powerful. But I would uh, say maybe Titans were a little bit better. Oh, uh, I see. So now these Titans had to act like. What do you mean, Zeus? Of course we never dream of the day that <laughs> we ruled the Earth. Besides, the feeling was mutual. Zeus didn't like rubbing shoulders with titans either. He merely tolerated them. So today, we're focusing on one of those titans, Oceanus, and his nephew slash cousin. I know, let that sink in for a, for a minute. Nephew so slash cousin. So Oceanus is one of the titans that survived. Yes. And is it a he or she? Yeah. He is part of the team, right? Yeah, so, he okay. was with the Olympians. So he's okay. in, he doesn't love the Olympians, but uh -huh. he just did a political thing. I see. He made a political move. Of course okay. he likes the Titans more, he's a Titan. Okay. So anyway, this is his nephew slash cousin. Sometimes Greek mythology feels confusing because everybody is two things to everyone. You're also their sister, but also their wife, and family relations are really hard back then. Like you're f***ing your siblings and your parents and your cousins. Anyway, Oceanus ruled the ocean with his sister as his wife. <laughs> he also had a cousin slash nephew called Helios. Now, Helios is later very important. Anyway, they all lived in this grand underwater palace, and Helios was a titan. He was the titan of the sun. He was said to have searingly bright eyes. If you were a human and you saw Helios, you'd be blinded instantly. You would actually be evaporated into flames. But he lives underwater. Yeah. Okay. But he has a day job. We'll get into it. He could light anything into flames just by looking at it. During the day, he would rise from the ocean and ride around in his golden chariot over the sky. So he's literally daytime. Mm. So all day until sunrise, he would be riding around. And that's why we see the sun, because he lights up the sky. Mm. I yeah. thought it was Zeus who does that. No. So it's Helios, and he rides around the Earth. So mm. that's why the sun changes. I see. Fascinating, right? Uh-huh. And anything that sun touches, he can see it. Everything and anything below that is touched by daylight, Helios can see it. So he's like a little spy. But during the night, Helios was single and ready to mingle with probably one of his cousins, maybe a sister. Now, on Oceanus' hall one day, he stumbles upon a beautiful nymph. 
Her name was Percy. She was Oceanus's daughter. Yeah. So his cousin. Another side note: Not every child of a titan or a god is gonna be a god or a titan. What can they be? You could just be a nymph. You could be a monster. You could be a nymph. Just、okay. a creature. You、okay. could be mortal. You can even be human. You mean? Uh, not necessarily human per se, but mortal, like you would die. So, anyways, he comes across this nymph, and Helios, being the boy that he is, he's. He's like, are you kidding? I can charm any nymph, daughters of divinities. It doesn't even matter. It's so easy for me. I can fucking, I can fuck a goddess if I want. I'm Helios, Titan of the fucking sun. So he thought it would be one of those situations. But Percy, well, some call her Perse, but I'm gonna call her Percy. Percy was playing hard to get. She straight up told him, "It's marriage or nothing. And if you choose marriage, be sure you can have all the girls you want outside the house, but inside the house, I rule." Helios was turned on. He liked a challenge. He was used to getting everything that he wanted with little to no effort. It wasn't that he was used to ultimatums or that he liked them. It's just kind of sexy. So the two get married, and he moves Perse, Percy into his divine palace. It was made of this polished black obsidian on the walls, on the floors, even the ceilings. So obsidian is really dark. It's really reflective. It's glossy. I mean, imagine how gloomy it is. Imagine how dark it is all the time.、Mm-hmm. But anytime Helios stepped in, entered a room, <laughs> the place would glow as bright as the sun. It would it would bounce and reflect. I mean, but when he was gone, which was every day, because the guy had a day job, he would ride around in his chariot. The place was dark and gloomy. The design was incredibly. Intentionally, it was just the way that Helios liked it. It would magnify his fucking shining glory. So he literally lights up the room when he walks in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Percy, she knew this, but she didn't care. She was a very smart nymph. She knew the rules for divine marriage. Her husband was gonna cheat. I mean, that was clear. Think about it. This is how she would say it: a mortal man, a human, a. Tiny little human who only survives a few decades struggles greatly with fidelity. Now imagine a god, a man who lives forever with gorgeous nymphs everywhere, the ones that are hungry for even just a minute of attention from a powerful titan or an Olympian. How could Percy expect Helios to keep it in his pants? Like I said, she was smart. She knew what she was working with. She didn't care if he was faithful or not. She just wanted to rule the house. She just wanted to be the wife of a titan, and the best way to do that. Was to have a kid that was almost as great as Helios himself, because the only thing that makes a Titan more proud is a son that's just as good, or maybe not just as good, almost as good. So you can brag, but they never outshine the master. So when they have a kid, the best case scenario is it's an Olympian, yeah, <clears throat>、okay. or another Titan, or something. Oh, they can give birth to another yeah. Titan.、Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. So the two get married, and Helios gifted Percy with a necklace, and it had this beautiful bead of the rarest amber. And for every child he she had, he would promise her another amber. She loved these beads, these amber fucking beads. She loved the envious stares all the women in the court would give her. She would love the stares of her sister when she pranced around with these amber beads. They're like Cartier love bracelets. She loved the beads more than she loved her children. So Percy gave birth to her firstborn, a daughter. Ugh, she was pissed. But Helios told her, "No, it's okay. Like I don't mind having daughters. Besides, divinities would pay me a lot for a chance to marry a daughter of Helios, me, Titan of the Sun." 
Meaning other Titans kids, like Titans would be like, hey, Helios, love you, love what you do for the world. Um, can my son marry your daughter? I'll give you like a 25 million cows or whatever they like. Okay, It's like a dowry, but for gods. Right. So he's like, it's fine. I don't mind daughters. All was well. Percy, she was really excited. She's like, really? You think she's going to make a fair match? Yes, fair indeed. Well, how fair? You think she's going to marry one of Zeus's kids? Mm, a prince, I believe. A, a prin prince? Disgusting. You don't mean a mortal? Surely, surely she will marry an immortal god of one of Zeus's gods, no? Percy was already imagining herself seated at the feast of Olympus, sitting next to Queen Hera herself. Helio shook his head. No, darling. Her hair is streaked in her chin. There's a sharpness to her chin that is less than aesthetically pleasing. And she's got yellow eyes. Oh, and listen to that voice. It's like this ugly croak. It's probably not going to make a good voice. We shall name her Kirk, a.k.a. Cersei. Ah! Uh... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Cersei means hawk because of the ugly yellow eyes and the ugly piercing cry. They named her Cersei. Basically, yeah, you're hearing that right. Helios is saying his firstborn is too ugly for Olympus. And Percy, being the beautiful nymph that she is, she bounces back from labor immediately and she's ready for the next. She had her eyes set on marrying one of her kids into Zeus's family, even though they're all family in a sense, but you get what I mean. So she wanted to sit at the table of Olympus. Cersei was tossed to the side, an invisible child of sorts. Her parents were on a mission to repopulate the palace. During the day, Helios would leave in his little golden chariot. Perse, Percy would take all of her fellow nymph sisters down to the river where they would brush each other's hair and gossip. And Cersei was left behind alone in this giant, cold, dark, obsidian palace. And at night, when Helios would come home, he would light up the dark, empty hallways. Percy would come running to her husband's arms. She would literally smack Cersei across the room. Get out of here, you little rascal. She would run into her husband's arms. Yeah, let's fuck. So pretty toxic family. Yeah, so I guess the family dynamic has never been great. Even back back then. Even in fictional stories. Cersei would sit on the floor and look up at her father, literally and figuratively. I mean, he's this big, strong titan. He was better than the other titans, too. He shined like the brightest flame. He was one of the more powerful titans. She would ask him, Father, what would happen if a mortal saw you in your fullest glory? He would be burned to ash in a second. Well, what if a mortal saw me? The mortal would count himself fortunate. What With does that mean? Either... You're pretty for a mortal, or um, you're not going to kill him, so uh -oh. that's fortunate for him. Okay. So she's like, would I not burn him? Of course not. And he looked over at the fireplace, and he, the logs burst into flames. Can you do that? And that is the least of my powers, child. Cersei <laughs> looked at the logs, and she's trying to light them on fire. It didn't work. Okay, plot twist. Didn't work. So the couple, they go on to have another daughter, which is uh, Pasiphia. She becomes important later. Helios claims she would go on to marry an eternal son of Zeus, and Percy was filled with glee and pride. Then right after, she had another son. She had one son, okay? And his name was Perseus. 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 It was named after her. So now Cersei has two siblings, and she thought that she would be less lonely. But these two, they kind of hated her. The younger siblings sneered at her. They made fun of her. They said, your eyes are as yellow as piss, and your voice is as scratchy as an owl. Get away from us. You're ugly. Dang. 
and I bet your blood is red. It's like Harry Potter all over again. You're mud blood. Yeah, they were mad, okay? They said that they should be called goat for her ugliness. And Cersei learned to ignore them, and she was just enjoying her solitude. But whenever her father was home, she would try to spend every single waking second at his feet. And one day, probably out of pity, Helios took her on a trip in his golden chariot. They landed on this beautiful island that her half-sisters, nymphs, were living on. And immediately when they saw Cersei, they said, Aww... It's okay. I mean, your eyes are like your mother's, but you have nothing to worry about that. Your mom is very beautiful. Oh, but she's never been strong. That's true. Oof, your hair. You know, you're smart to braid your hair like that so nobody sees how ugly it is. So everybody bullies her. Pretty much. And they laughed at her, and uh, Helios literally didn't care. And Cersei's like, what are you talking about? I look like you. And they laughed. Our eyes are as bright as the sun. Our hair glows like the sun. You don't look like us. It's a shame that you can't hide your voice either. I guess maybe you could never talk again. That's an option. Yeah, they're really mean. So it's always like a Cinderella story. Yeah. The ugly dog. I think there's only like 50 uh, plot, plot lines that we humans have created. <laughs> and we stick by them and they're good. So Helios is like, anyway kids, let's go see the cows. They were beautiful cows on the island. I mean, I don't know if beautiful is even the right word. This is the description of the cows. The coats were as pure as lily petals. Their eyes were gentle. The long lashes with gilded horns. They were white. Cersei was in awe. They were the most beautiful cows she had ever seen. And on her way back home, Cersei asked her dad about the mortals again. And she was like, would it, would it tell me something about the mortals? Ah, the mortals. We call them astronomers. It's their job to track my movements. Except they call it... <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Except they call it rising and setting of the sun. Sometimes I will be a little late. Or I will linger a little too long. And the astronomers, they'll wonder why their calculations are off. There are kings in the mortal world that will kill astronomers when they're off because they think that they are frauds. They will be killed for claiming that the sun was late today. But it is what they deserve. To be killed. Because I am bound to no will and no calculation but my own. Father, but what about now? Are we late enough to kill the astronomers? And he laughed and he said, yes. Yes, indeed we are. Cersei did not like that. The idea of even mortals dying just did not sit right with her. She's going to be like a little Cinderella savior, okay? <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's what's happening. It was easy to tell during dinner that she was upset because her siblings asked her, What's wrong? You swallow a frog, you little ugly girl? And they would giggle gaggle. How's your day? I heard you saw father's golden cows. Oh, the golden cows are beautiful. And her siblings laughed. Oh my god, you're so dumb. You don't know. Have you ever have you ever seen anyone as stupid as yourself? What? Why don't I know? Cersei's sister Pacifia, she smirked and said, That father fucks them, of course. The that's, cows? Yeah, that's how he makes new cows. He transforms into a bull and he fucks them. He cooks the ones that get old. And that's why everybody thinks that the cows are immortal, but they're not. <laughs> He's a cow. He's a cow fucker. He's a sister fucker. He's a cow. F no, he was a cousin fucker. Uh, a cow fucker. He'd be fucking everybody. <sighs> Hide your cows. And she's like, what? No, no way. No, he doesn't. And her siblings laughed so loud that their mom, Perseus, was like, what are you laughing about? 
And they're like, oh my god, can you believe we're telling Cersei about the cows? She didn't know that dad fucks the cows. She just says, oh, stupid, stupid Cersei. <laughs> that was a big defining moment for Cersei. Another one was when Prometheus was punished. So Prometheus was a titan that was on the good side. He, or, well, not the good side, but he was on the Olympian side. Uh -huh. He was not banished, but he's under Zeus's rule, just like everybody else. Now, Prometheus was a nice titan. He liked to help the humans. The story of Prometheus is a, a bit well more known. He was the one that gave humans fire. Ah! Yeah, he bridged the gap between cavemen struggling to be alive and intellectual beings who could go on to create amazing things such as technology. But the problem is, Prometheus went on to give fire to humans behind Zeus's back. AKA, he didn't ask Zeus for permission. And honestly, it's not that Zeus didn't want the humans to evolve. He really didn't care. It was just the fact that Prometheus was a titan that did not consult Zeus first. So it's a whole ego trip, essentially. And he thought this was a big no-no. In fact, Prometheus had to have been punished and be used as an example. This is what happens when you defy the great Zeus. Prometheus, a titan, had gone out and made a mockery of the Olympians, the gods. Zeus wasn't dumb. He knew the titans didn't like him, but as long as there wasn't a blatant undercover operation, he would just turn the other way. So Prometheus was brought out to be punished in front of his cousins, the fellow titans, in the halls of Helios as a warning to the other titans. One of the three furries, remember the goddesses of vengeance, would come out. They led Prometheus out in chains. Circe was in the crowds of the hall. She had never seen a furry in the flesh. She had this dark wings, a gray, emotionless face. She had a forked tongue. She had snakes for hair. Like, she was more goddessy, goddessy. She was the goddess of vengeance. Well, one of them, to be exact. She was the goddess of torment. So she spoke. Well, I guess she hissed. I bring the prisoner. And she raised her vulture wing and dove them into the wall. She hung up Prometheus, and everyone in the crowd cringed. Not because they care for Prometheus, even though most of them were his kin. They just didn't care. They just didn't like violence. Everybody was so scared of torture. These immortal beings. They actually were jealous of mortals. Sure, they could live forever. Their wounds would heal in rapid pace. They lived in palaces and they controlled things such as powerful as the sky and the ocean, but they had it worse than humans. Because at least humans died. Oh, they can get tortured forever. Forever. Oh. At least humans would know that for sure it was gonna end one day. But if you're immortal, it could go on day in, day out for eternity. Cersei looked around hoping her father or one of the uncles, one of the fellow titans, would come to Prometheus's aid or at least acknowledge him or say something, give him words of comfort. But nothing. Nothing but silence. They watched as the goddess of torment started whipping Prometheus on the back. Golden ichor started to flow on the ground. Titans don't die and wounds heal super fast. But the furry knew her shit, okay? She was faster than his wounds were healing. When she was finally done tormenting him, it was time to feast. They all headed into the dining hall, where Prometheus was left chained hanging from the wall in silence. Everybody just hurried out to go eat. Cersei, she was the last one. Now, the only one in the room with him, because everybody left. Prometheus, I, uh, I could bring you some water or some nectar. I would thank you for that. So Cersei ran to get some nectar. She caught in the corner of her eye, her family dining happily as if a family member hadn't just been damned to an eternity of torment. But like, cool, cool, cool. She also knew that she wasn't expected 
She also knew that bringing some nectar or water to Prometheus was going to get her in trouble, but nobody would notice her. They never did. So she grabbed the nectar, lifted it to Prometheus, and he seemed grateful. He said, you are the daughter of Helios, are you not? Cersei was sad, because, you know, if you're the daughter of Helios, nobody should have to ask. You just kind of look like Helios. He's the sun. Mm. Your eyes should be glowing. Your hair should be glowing. Your skin should be glowing. She's like, yeah, I'm the daughter of Helios. Well, thank you for your kindness. Are you hungry? I could bring you food. No, I don't think I could ever eat again. You aided mortals, right? That's why you're being punished? Will you tell me, what's a mortal like? There's not a single answer. Uh, they're each different. The only thing that they share is death. Do you know that word? I know it, but I don't understand it. Well, of course, no god can. Their bodies crumble and pass into the earth. Their souls turn to cold smoke and fly to the underworld. There, in the underworld, they eat nothing, drink nothing, feel no warmth. Everything they reach for slips from their grasps. Well, how do they live with that? As best as they can. Is it true that you refused to get a pardon and that you were not actually caught? You confessed to Zeus freely of everything? You just told him what you did? It is. But why? Perhaps you'll tell me. Why would a god do such a thing? Cersei didn't know the answer, and he wasn't going to give it to her. She would not know the answer for a very long time. But Prometheus would be punished. He was to be tied in chains, and an eagle would fly down and eat out his liver every single day. Whatever his liver would regenerate, which would take about a day, another eagle would come back and eat his healthy liver over and over and over again. Every single day for the rest of eternity. Today? Yeah, there's still an eagle out there just fucking eating his liver. <laughs> so Cersei was curious after this conversation to why all the gods and goddesses were so scared of pain. She went into her room and cut herself with a knife. That's when she saw for the first time that the blood that flowed out of her was unlike what she had seen. It was all red. Why? How? Cersei knew that she was immortal, but she was a small deity, an inferior one. Huh. She was not a golden-blooded divinity. So she, can she die or no? No. Oh. But she just wasn't as powerful or as unique as a golden-blooded oh. divinity. I get it. Like, we took DNA tests. Yeah, you're just, just kind of normal. Just <laughs> average. Right? And it's okay to be average, Cersei. But she'll later turn men into pigs. Keep that in mind next time you think you're just an average bitch. Cersei was an average bitch. And she turned men into pigs. But Literal I thought, pigs. I thought men's are... <laughs> yeah, she turned them into their true forms. Pigs. <laughs> Anyways, her parents end up having another child. Aetes, okay? Or Aetes. It meant eagle. Percy waited for Helios to give his prophecy on what wonders Aetes was going to do. And instead, Helios said nothing. And Percy was pissed. She's like, better luck next time. She looks around for her rare amber bead. And Helios gives it to her. Helios gives it to her. And she's like, here, someone take Aetis. Nobody wanted him. All the little helpers in the little halls were like, God, Percy's such a bitch. I don't want to take care of her kid. So Cersei stood up and said, mother, I can take my brother. Percy didn't care. She's like, ah, just get him out of here. He's going to be nothing when he grows up. Cersei was in love from the get-go. She had never felt love like this before. She held her baby brother in her arms and she felt this unprecedented warmth and that she was no longer alone. In fact, she was in love. Not like that. 
Although this is Greek mythology and like incest is a thing, okay? Like, are you really a titan or a god if you don't fuck your sibling? But in this case, it was just sibling love. And Aedes seemed to love her back too. Circe was the first word he ever spoke and his second word was sister. So as he grew up, he grew up fast, by the way. He and Cersei were spending all their time together. They would walk arm in arm through the beaches near Helios' palace. Everyone would make fun of them. Oh god, you look like lovers. You're not going to try and date a cousin? You're just going to go straight into f***ing each other? Really? They're making fun of them? After all? <laughs> what? Yeah. But the two didn't care. Cersei's and Aedes, they had a special non-romantic bond, and Aedes was Cersei's favorite. But he also very quickly became Helios's favorite child. He was the smartest. He was summoned to sit at all of Helios's councils to feast and to parties. He was a sponge for knowledge. He would name all the creatures in the depths of the ocean. He was the best herb expert. Cersei never saw a plant that he didn't know. He said it was called pharmaca, magical plants that could work wonders. So these magical plants are not like the basil you're growing in your backyard, you know? These magical plants are specific herbs where golden ichor had spelled. So it's a, it's a plant and then a god's blood had been shed there. And it has these medicinal magical properties. Is he strong? Very strong. But he Gold told blood? her, yeah. But he's trying to be humble? Mm -hmm. But so he told her not to tell anyone about it. Oh, nobody knows that he's strong. They know that he's strong, but they have no idea that he's good with pharmaca. Oh, so, so he, that's his little secret talent. Yes, he's very smart politically. So he mm. wants to have something that none of the other titans know about as of now. Oof. He's a good one. Well, Oof. not a good person. Well, I guess he's not a person, but you get what I'm saying. So the for, for the first time in Cersei's life, she opened up about a core memory of hers. She offered Prometheus a cup of nectar during his punishment. She told Aedes this. And Aedes is like, uh, sh shut the fuck up. Like, why are you fucking crazy? Don't you ever admit that to anybody. There's no proof. There's no evidence. So you shut up and you lawyer up. What's wrong with you? You could make father look like a fool that can't even control his own children. He would throw you to his fucking golden cows that he fucks. And for what? Prometheus is punished anyway. The dough is rock hard. I had to refrigerate it for a second. So anyways, Aedes was like, you're dumb. Don't tell anybody this. Like, dad is not going to be nice to you. He's not going to forgive you. This is the stupidest thing I've ever freaking heard in my entire life. And I would hate for my sister to be turned into a cow or to rot for the eternity for something like this. Cersei felt embarrassed at this confession. She felt like her brother was ashamed of her. So she just kind of tried to move on. Besides, Aedes came to her one day and said, Cersei, I love you, but I'm leaving. And he was con she was confused. What do you mean you're leaving? Well, father is giving me a kingdom. Oh, okay, sure. Our generous, amazing father is going to give you a kingdom. For what? He doesn't give us anything. I mean, she was being sarcastic. She's like, can I come live in your kingdom then? Are you going to be king of your kingdom? Why is she like this? Because Helios sad? is genuinely not a generous dad. Like, oh. he would never just give his kid anything, ever. Okay, I see. So she's confused. Like, you're telling me the devil himself, Helios, our father, is going to give you a kingdom for what? For what? What's the exchange? And he says, no, you can't come live in my kingdom because it's mine. You have to get your own. Wait, you're serious? You're getting a king? How could you not tell me? You can't leave me. What am I going to do? You don't know what it was like before you got here, before you were here. 
Shh, Cersei, there is no need to make a scene. You knew that this day was going to come. I cannot rot for the rest of my life in here with nothing of my own. And Cersei nodded, but all she wanted to do was ask him, well, what about me? You want me to rot here with nothing of my own? So soon enough, the obsidian black walls were completely empty again, and Cersei was all by her lonesome. Even her younger sister, Pacifia, was marrying Minos. Yeah, I thought his name was pronounced Minos, because that's how it's spelled, but it's Minos. He was the king of Crete, a son of Zeus, which Percy was really happy about. Like, oh my god, my daughter is marrying a king, also the son of Zeus. But then she found out that fucking Minos was a mortal. So annoying. She was less than happy about that. She was actually really distraught. So she got tricked. Yeah. So Zeus was like a little philandering hoe. Um, this Minus was, I believe, the son of Europa and Zeus, not Queen Hera and Zeus. Mm. So he was just like a mortal king of Crete, right? Anyways, she was less than happy about this. So Cersei's other brother left the halls to go live in Babylon. And the last thing that he said to Cersei was, not a goodbye, sister. Not a so long. But a... Uh, at least I'm not going to have to hear your nasty voice anymore. <laughs> Super sweet. So Cersei was completely alone again, all alone. And she would spend all of her lonely days out by the beach, reliving her time with her brother Aedes. They would just walk up and down, hand in hand, remember? She wandered and wandered until her days kind of blended together. And then one day, she looked out and she saw a boat. Cersei had seen paintings of boats and ships before. They were always beautiful. They were magnificent. These humans, these mortals were creating these amazing things carved from ivory and horns. But this one, this one wasn't grand at all. The sides were patched. It was skewed to one side. There was only one lone sailor aboard. I mean, it looked like a fisherman's boat. It just was not a ship. It wasn't a Disney cruise. That's, what, that's not what it was. This was the first time Cersei had come across a mortal and she was speechless. He had long black hair, his clothes were worn, his neck had scabs everywhere, scars on his arms where the fish scales had cut him. At first, Cersei was scared. She had heard the stories of rape. Yeah, the malicious soldiers or the malicious pirates would find helpless nymphs with no divine power. And generally speaking, these nymphs were as weak as regular mortals. So you can imagine what the sailors did. So, since the dawn of time, but like, not all men. They look like poop. <laughs> I don't know how to feel That's about this. Cersei was scared, but then she remembered it was daytime and Helios was watching from his golden chariot. Sure, Helios didn't love his daughter Cersei or really any of his kids, but he would protect her simply because it would be an embarrassment if his daughter was raped by a mere mortal. Can you think about it? The Titans would make fun of him. You let this happen under your watch? You must not be all-knowing. Luckily, Helios wouldn't have to step in. Cersei approached the man, and she said, Stay right there, mortal! <laughs> now, in this story, mortals know goddesses and gods, okay? So he says, What goddess do I address? Cersei? Cersei, most revered lady, do I trespass your waters? No, I have no waters. Is that a boat? Yes, yes it is. Well, I would like to sail upon it. Cersei climbed aboard and she watched as the mortal watched her with careful eyes. He was scared. And she dropped her voice and said, Oh, no, I, I'm not like that. I scarcely have any powers at all and I can't hurt you. Be comfortable as you were. Which, like, why? That's the scariest thing to say to a guy. Even mortal guys as a goddess. The, uh, 
are you kidding me? I would never tell a guy I've got no powers. I would tell a guy I've got fucking 20 liters of pepper spray ready to go. I've actually got one in between, clenched in between my ass cheeks, just ready to spray at you. You try to move, I'm shooting you. But she was like, don't be scared. I have no powers. I am nothing but a helpless person. Huh. <laughs> Cersei, why? And when I said shoot you, I meant pepper spray. Anyway, they start bonding, and when it's time for the guy to leave, he was happier than ever. He said, look, look, goddess Cersei, look at my nets. You must have blessed my nets. They are the fullest they have ever been. Look at all the fish. And he dropped to his knees in front of Cersei. And Cersei cringed. She knew that gods love and they long for mortal worship. She, they love it. But Cersei hated it. She didn't like this feeling, and she said, please just get up. I have not blessed your nets. I have no powers to do so. I am born to deities that only govern fresh water only anyway, and even their smaller gifts I lack. <sighs> Nevertheless, the mere mortal came to see Cersei every single day. He would bring her gifts in the form of bread, cheeses, and olives. His name was uh, Glacos. Listen, there's no way that I'm saying that right. Because, honestly, I want to call him Glucose. <laughs> Blessed and cultured I am. Glucose told her about his life, about how bitter and old his dad was. They're always worrying about food. How his dad is always beating him if he doesn't catch enough fish. About how all of his siblings are malnourished, sick, and starving. Damn, you're fast. What are you, a cookie monster? A cookie machine? I'm a god. <laughs> the god I'm the of god of the cookies. cookies. <laughs> Cersei felt special that this mortal was even confiding in her. Cersei loved watching him work around his deck, light up the fires. And she definitely felt like there was some sexual tension going on. And she just wanted him to, um, to like her as much as she liked him. Glaucos would even compliment her, calling her a golden goddess, beautiful and kind. It made her feel warm and fuzzy inside. This is like her first boyfriend. Cersei wanted him to feel the same way, so she confessed to him about her deepest, darkest secrets, of her giving Prometheus nectar. Glaucos listened, and then he proclaimed, Well, what was that? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That story is dozens of generations old. That's hundreds of years. It's been passed down over and over and over again. Prometheus was punished hundreds of years. I thought you were my age. And Cersei laughed. I guess he didn't know that deities are young forever. No, Glaucos, um, I'm not your age. Cersei thought it was funny, but Glaucos did not. He jumped up and he pulled away. Well, how old are you? A hundred? Two hundred? Cersei laughed because she was older than that. But she realized now it was too much for him, you know? How dare he date an older woman? It's emasculating. So she apologized. I'm sorry, it was only a stupid joke. I never actually met Prometheus. I only wish that I had. Don't fear, Glaucos. We're the same age, of course. Look at me. I look your age. And he started to relax. He let out a half-ass laugh. <laughs> Can you imagine if you really had been alive back then? Anyways, that was the start of the romance. But of course, there's trouble in paradise because isn't there always? One day, Glaucos comes late and he's depressed. I'm excited. I'm going to go bake this and we'll be right back. So Glauco shows up one day, right? And he looks beaten up, he's got bruising everywhere, and he looks defeated. And he essentially tells Cersei, hey, I can't come see you anymore because I've been so distracted with you and I've caught no fish for the spring-summer months. It's now my fault, it's your fault, my whole family's gonna starve, and I can't come back anymore. And Cersei was worried. She's like, well, let me help you. 
Glaco says, you can't do anything for me. You told me so. You have no powers at all. This is goodbye. And he sailed off. Cersei's heart was broken. She needed to do something, anything. She ran to her grandma, Tethys, and this is the wife of Oceanus. She knelt before her. I am Cersei, Percy's daughter. You must help me. There's a mortal who needs fish from the sea, and I cannot bless him, but you can. Is he noble? In nature, yes. Poor in possessions, yet rich in spirit and courage, shining like a star. And what does the mortal offer you in exchange? Offer me? My dear, they must always offer something, even if it is small, even if only wine poured at your feet, else they will forget to be grateful afterwards. I, d I don't need any gratitude. Please, you must do this. You must help me or I'll never see him again if you don't help me. Tethys rolled her eyes. She heard that a million times, you know? She's like, whatever. You are my granddaughter. I'll grant you this wish and I'll fill his fucking nets. Yet in return, let me hear you say you swear you will not lie with him. You know your father thinks to match you better than with some fish boy. So don't sleep with the guy. Grandma's like, granddaughter, you better not sleep with him or else. And she's like, I swear, I swear. So Grandma Tathy comes through and the next day his nets were filled to the brim. Glaucos is so excited. He runs back to Cersei, practically jumping up and down. We can see each other again. Woo -hoo! So they sit down and he says, I wish I were a god. Then I could thank you as you deserve. But I'll keep a fire burning for you always if you'll allow it. Cersei said, I would rather you keep a chair so I may speak with you. And they both blushed and Glaucos asked, Your father, he will choose a husband for you? Yes. Yes, he will. And they sat in silence. Afterwards, Cersei ran back to her grandma, and she's nearly in tears, and she says, that man, that man's gonna die. What do I do? He's immortal. And the grandma's like, oh, you young, naive little granddaughter. Of course he's going to die. He is mortal. That is their lot. But it's not fair. It cannot be. She tells Cersei, those are two very different things. You must help me, great goddess grandma. Will you not take him to your halls and make him more immortal? No god can do such thing. But I love him. There must be a way. Okay, first of all, Ariel, calm your tits. Like this part of the book, I was so annoyed with Cersei. Like calm your tits. He got mortal dick. It can't be that good. He can't even sleep with him. And Tethy is sighing and she's like, do you know how many nips before you have hoped the same? And they've all been disappointed. Well, Grandma, is there not, I don't know the word, some, some device, some bargain with the fates, some trick, some pharmaca. Remember pharmaca? The magical herbs? That word set Tethy into a world of rage. You speak of pharmaca? Child, I have done so much for you, and there is no more. Leave. Leave from here and let me never hear you speak of that wickedness ever again. Cersei was confused. That night, she realized... Pharmaca and these herbs, they had power so strong that even titans wouldn't speak freely of them. It's like the Voldemort, you know, of the titans. So Cersei put on her best dress styled hair and she went to dinner with her father where a bunch of her uncles were gathered talking about their amazing titan lives. She smiled at them innocently. Oh, uncles, you're so brave. <laughs> you fought valiantly in the war. Will you not tell me um, where the battles were? Where'd you fight? You know, where... Where was the blood shed? <laughs> and Cersei listened to the tales of war, and she just wanted to know where the valuable herbs were, remember? Because the pharmaca has to be produced by spilled god blood. And there 
she would turn Glaucos into an immortal god. Or at least that was her plan. So she learned of a place close enough to sail to, an immortal boat. And the next time Glaucos came, she convinced him to take her on a little picnic. After they ate, he placed his head on a pillow on her lap, and he fell asleep almost immediately. Circe wanted to laugh. She thought mortals were perpetually tired. All they do is f***ing sleep. <laughs> so Basically true. That's <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> And as he slept, Circe picked a handful of flowers, placed them on his chest, and she focused on transforming him into a god. She focused, she waited, but nothing happened. So she tried again, and again, and she was so frustrated, she started crying. She squished the flowers in her hand. She's like, fuck these flowers. And she felt the flower sap moisten her palm. And she sniffed it, and it smelled kind of sweet, like old wine. And it dawned on her that she, it, it was like this inner voice that told her to put the sap into his mouth. She didn't know how, or she knew this. She didn't learn it from anywhere. She squeezed a handful of the sap into his mouth, drop by drop, and wished him to be a god. For a moment, nothing happened. And then slowly, a shadow crossed over his skin. Every part of his body started to swell. There were blisters. No, barnacles were starting to form in his chest. Glaucos opened his eyes and he leapt to his feet. He was refreshed. He said, Circe, I am changed. Look, no scabs, no scars. I'm not tired. For the first time in all my life, I am not tired. I could swim the whole ocean right now. I want to see myself. How do I look? Glaucos, you look like a god. Honestly, he looked more like a squid, if I'm being honest with you, but love you makes you blind. Squid? Yeah, like, it was a squid god. Something like that. He was kind of squiddy. He was, like, kind of blue. Had some barnacles and some tentacles. He didn't have the six-pack. It was more like squid vibes. <laughs> what? <laughs> so Glaucos is like, Cersei, I can go with you now. I can go to the gods' halls. Will you take me? And she was so excited. Of course. She wanted to be with him. And hopefully they could get an island together, live in bliss for eternity. Do you know where this story is going? There's no happy ending. Yeah, why? Because why would you ever want to live with your partner for the eternity? <laughs> <laughs> like, you, bitch. <laughs> so first, Cersei led Glaucos to her grandmother, Tethys, who, smart woman, did not ask questions. She embraced him, looked at Cersei, and said, Newest brother, this must be an act of one of the fates. Brother, you are welcome here till you find a place of your own. Glaucos was introduced to Oceanus, Oceanus, and Helios. They too welcomed him as an act of fate. They never asked? No. They knew, though? No. Or they Only don't the know. grandma had an inkling. But she didn't know. So did Poseidon, his new lord. They all helped Glaucos build his own palace, since now he was an ocean god. Very fancy title. Fucking squid god. Anyway, Circe spent most of her days in Glaucos' halls now. She would sit and listen to him tell his story over and over and over again to all of the new admirers. He said, I lay on a bed of flowers, feeling a heavy sleepiness wash over me. And magically I awoke and I was renewed. Dun dun dun. Everybody loved his stories. He was the new, young, questionably handsome... Squidward. Squidward. But ultimately, he was an unmarried god. And everybody wanted to be his wife. I mean, th there's a finite number of gods out there you can marry. Because they just, you know, have a wife and then they have mistresses that they make children with. Does he know what happened? No. Oh, he, he don't even know. He don't even know. He's oh. dumb. She never told him? No. She don't want to hurt his ego. Exactly. 
Wow. So like 2022, I'm so sick of that. Like hurt everybody's ego, hurt your own ego, hurt everybody around you's ego. Especially that guy you have a crush on, hurt his ego. Just do it. Okay, I'm kidding, don't do it. So all the nymphs, they're lining up, begging him to talk about his mortal days. Cersei found it ironic. If he were still immortal, they would call him nothing but a fish gutter and laugh at him and giggle gaggle. But now they were begging him to talk about his mortal days. Glaucos told everyone, as a god, I have now sent a huge wave to smash my father's boat and kill him. My mother I have blessed and she has a new husband and a slave to do her chores. My village prays to me and hopes that I will bring them good tide. But I will see what they offer me first. Cersei so. saw his face light up with pride and joy and power. And at first, Cersei was so happy for him, she didn't even notice that he barely talked to her, that she was invisible all over again. Honestly, Glaucus never really even glanced at her. But Cersei thought, well, soon enough, he's going to ask for my hand in marriage. Do you see where this saying is going? What is that age-old saying? How does it go? You give an ugly guy a chance and he thinks he rules the world. That's what's going to happen here. It was said by the great philosopher herself, Billie Eilish. So hold on to your tits because a nymph called Scylla started to hang around them all the time, just circling Glaucos. She was practically a shadow. Cersei thought nothing. She just assumed this is one of the other one million nymphs that wanted to marry Glaucos. But he would shut her down, of course, because Cersei was going to be his wife. Well, one day, the two are sitting there and Scylla looks over at Cersei and says, have you seen my jewelry? It's beautiful, isn't it? The coral bracelets, the pearl necklace? Yeah, it's beautiful, Scylla. The next day, Scylla's jewelry doubled, then tripled, and she was dripping in huge sparkly stones. She would push them up to Cersei's face and say, are they not the greatest marvels you've ever seen? Cersei was not getting the message. Scylla was getting annoyed after like the 10th day. She felt like she had to spell it out for her. She said, Glaucos said he will empty the sea of them if it would please me. What? Wow. Those are from Glaucos? All of them are. You mean you haven't heard? I thought you'd be the first one to know since you guys are so close. But perhaps you are not the friend that you thought you were to him. Glaucos asked me to marry him. I haven't decided yet what I'm going to say. Do you have any advice, Cersei? Should I take him? Green skin, flippers and all? Cersei ran out in tears and she confronted Glaucos. Do you want to marry Scylla? Oh, yes. Isn't she the most perfect creature you've ever seen? Her ankles are so small and delicate, like the sweetest little doe in the forest. AKA pedophile! Anyway, the river gods are enraged that she favors me, and I hear even Apollo is jealous. Glaucos, she's beautiful, yes, but she doesn't deserve you. She's cruel. And she does not love you like you could be loved, or you're meant to be loved. I know someone who can love you better. And Glaucos gets the message, and he was disturbed. He said, oh! You? Cersei, you've been a sister to me all along. No, not the sister card. But like, you know, in Greek mythology, it could mean something else because they do f yeah, sisters. That's true. So I guess she's like a wife to him. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> well, I, I could be more. And she tried to kiss him and he pushed her off. Oh, man. And she continued and she said, I have loved you since the first day I saw you sailing. Scylla laughs at your fins and your green beard, but I cherished you when you were, you had fish guts on your hands and when you wept of your father's cruelty, I helped you. No, I will not think of those days. Every hour, some new bruise upon me, some new ache, always burdened, always weak. Now, I sit at councils with your father. I do not have to beg for every scrap. Nymphs, 
clamor for me, and I may choose the best amongst them, which is Scylla. <sighs> what did I say? Damn. You give an ugly guy a chance, and he thinks he rules the world. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stressed, I'm gonna calm down. Listen, you gotta read it in the book, because you're like, wow, Stephanie, you're really annoyed. What's going on with you? You got some un unresolved rage or something? Read the book, and it's just so scathing. You're gonna hate this guy. Holy sh... Cersei knew what she was gonna say next, and it was pathetic, but she couldn't help herself. She said, I, I can be the best for you. I, I swear, you'll never find anyone more loyal than me. I'll do anything. Oh my gosh. Glaucos couldn't even look at her, and Cersei ran away in tears. And she felt this boiling hatred, this strong feeling. She hated Scylla. Scylla didn't even love Glaucos. She didn't love anybody but herself. She did this out of spite. Why? Cersei never did anything to hurt Scylla. Why would she do this to her? She never did anything to her. At least not yet. But she was going to. Cersei was going to get her revenge, and it would include Pharmaca, the magical herbs that allowed Cersei to turn Glaucos into a god, a power so strong even Titans won't speak of it. Cersei wondered what bad she could do of it. So why isn't other god using these plants? I don't know. So it's, you can find these plants, but you have to have a power yourself. Oh, you gotta know how to use it, you mean? No, it's like a power. You know how Helios is the titan of the sun? Yeah. Some gods and goddesses are blessed with the magic of pharmaca. Oh. It's not, you don't learn, it's like a power. So she has power. Yeah, she but has... she doesn't know. Oh, she has power. And that is where I leave you with part one of Cersei. Part two will be up very, very soon because it's, it's so good. She's gonna turn people into pigs. She's gonna turn men into pigs. Oh my God, this is like the prequel of, uh... <sighs> Of a come up story, huh? It's Super so hero. good. This is like, yeah, the downfall. You gotta hit rock bottom before you reach the sky. This is wow. the rock bottom. I mean, she does some really questionable things, I'm gonna be honest with you. And there's a lot of sex in the next one. Oh, o Odysseus comes to be? You know Odysseus? The Trojan War? That oh, comes into yeah, play. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hermes? Yeah, the only appropriate time you can call Hermes, Hermes, apparently. Greek mythology, yeah. So, I hope you guys enjoyed, and make sure to check out Lumino, linked in the description. Um, I forgot to show you the cookies. So, shall we pop it open? Whoa! It looks like no cheese. cheese! Try it. Hmm. Not good? It tastes like the desert sand. <laughs> Wait a minute. What the heck? What kind of cookie is this? Wait a minute. I'm definitely not the goddess of the kitchen or baking, but I can eat a chocolate chip or two. I can throw it down. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. <laughs>